Our scripture today is out of Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were, in, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Kim. Man, it is good. The second week of the life of Sacred Mission Church, it is good to be together, good to have us all gathering. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just blown away by Jesus' story. And when God does one thing, he's always doing a thousand things. We can maybe see that one thing or be like, hey, I think there might be a couple things that God's doing here, but he's always doing way more than that. And, uh, you know, and just having us in this room is not an accident and having us in this community and there are faithful Jesus loving people in our community who are worshiping him today and to recognize that that's part of our story here is to be here, uh, to be a light. God, it's weird. He wouldn't, he didn't need to use any of us, but he, you know, like for me when I'm doing something in like around the house. It's just way easier for me to just do it myself, right? Typically, or ask my dad to do it for me, you know, but it's easier than that than like to take the time to, to bring other people in and bring my kids in, right? But like God actually could have just done everything himself, but he actually uses us and, and he recognizes like that's a huge part of what he does is, is using us. And um, my kids, they were really excited uh, recently, well, it was about a year ago now, that we had our first uh, youth camp at the church that I was pastoring at in Oklahoma City. Uh, we, we had the, a big youth camp. It was the first time that my kids were a part of youth camp. And uh, I didn't know how it was going to go, you know, whenever you kind of like send the kids off. And they actually did it on the campus of a university in Oklahoma. So they got to stay in the dorms, you know, and like all this stuff that just like felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm like a real big person now, like staying in dorms and stuff, you know. Um, but so we, I dropped off Hannah and Silas and you know, picked them up about uh, three or four days later, not knowing what it was going to be like, you know, hoping that they had a good time. And you might have experienced this in different ways, but I got the basically, it was about 25 minute drive from where I picked them up to our house. And I don't know if they took a breath the whole time. You know, it was like that moment of where it was like, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. I mean, I don't even know if I ever even asked a question. You know, it wasn't like, so tell me more. You know, it was just like they kept telling me more and telling me more. And I was not prodding it out of them. Like they were just overwhelming me with information about what they'd experienced because it was so life-changing and it was so amazing it exceeded their expectations and it was just glorious and they're telling me all about it 
Well, that is what we're experiencing this morning from Paul. (laughs) Paul is getting in the car with us, and the dude is excited, and he is intensely excited to to communicate something to the Ephesians, but not just to the Ephesians, but to people in Collins-Maxwell, to people in Baxter, to people in Colonesco. So what Kim read was 202 words. Okay, so chapter 1, verses 3 through 14 are 202 words. This is crazy. It's one sentence in the Greek. So when Paul wrote this in Greek, he wrote a 202-word sentence. He could not restrain himself to release a period in a sentence, right? He's like, oh, and this, oh, and this, oh, and this, oh, and this. It's comma, semicolon, comma, semicolon. So in English, they, did, they put some periods in there just to not make it a ridiculously long, like, run-on sentence. But uh, these 11 verses are actually, so today I'm preaching one sentence, from Ephesians chapter 1, even though we know it as verses 3 through 14. And um, I just want to pray again. I know we've prayed, but the presence of God in our midst, he is alive and well. That's why we call it Sacred Mission Church is because we don't believe like this is our like club or mission or whatever, but like that this is Jesus's mission that he's on. It's a sacred mission of his love being poured out for the people of rural central Iowa. And we just get to be a part of that as, as he leads the way. And so Lord, I just ask in this place that whatever we walked in the door with, whatever we've done this week, maybe what's been done to us this week, or maybe things that we should have done that just have been left undone this week, would we just in this moment right now hear from you, trust that you have us here, that there are things we can focus about and think about outside these walls, Lord, but would we just be able to be present with you and each other to be changed by you. We don't ever want to interact with your word and just leave as if we didn't hear anything. We don't want to play church, Lord. We want to meet with you. Would you meet with us for your purposes this morning? Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Paul starts this mammoth sentence by saying on the front end, praise God for his blessings in Christ. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Some people are blessed by having uh, like a lot of farmland in the area, and you're just like, wow, you're really blessed by having a lot of farmland, or you're really blessed by the opportunities that you have here. And Paul is starting by saying, this God has blessed us. He has lavished his blessing on us, not by giving us 80 acres, but by actually not holding back any blessings from heaven. Look at that. Bless us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, some, I even feel sometimes like if I'm really just in a funk, not feeling I'm just in a funk. 
I realized like I will like go quiet and like give the silent treatment to the people I know. You know, it's just kind of like so I, I'm not the type that will like explode in anger. I'm like, just like quiet, withdraw, and like just giving people the silent treatment. Like that'll show them I'm gonna be quiet. You know, and uh, some might relate in here. You know, but uh, thankfully my kids have have me as their father, but then they also have a perfect father that doesn't treat them that way. I'm not treated that way by my perfect father. He actually doesn't withhold. He doesn't give me the silent treatment. He actually lavishes his love on me. And Paul just comes out of the gate that way. One of the reasons why Paul can't drop a period for more than 200 words is because it's true for him, it's true for me, and for everyone that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is available to you and everybody you know. Is this important to you? Does it make you yawn? Well, here's what Paul's doing here. Paul is going to give us four reasons, okay? He's going to give us four reasons why each of us should live the rest of our lives praising God with abandon, okay? Like all in. He's going to say, on the front end of this letter, I'm going to give you four reasons why you should be all in with Jesus for the rest of your life, okay? It's not because he could only think of four, but that's what he fit in a 202-word sentence is four reasons. And the first reason is that he can say, I can say, we can say, I am chosen. I am chosen by God. Look at verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So he's saying, you have been chosen to be in Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. I didn't make this up. You didn't make this happen. It's according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which with he has blessed us in the Beloved. So let's kind of go back to verse 4, though. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So God is, you know, we didn't show up until me, 1978, you know, others earlier, others later, right? Our kind of history on planet Earth is rather limited. His is not. God has a long story of being patient with the people he created. So let's kind of go back there and look at, like, the significance of this. So remember Human beings, number one and number two. So human being number one, Adam. Human being number two, Eve. They both disobeyed God. Great opportunity for him to walk away from humans and just be like, I'm just going to do stuff with angels from now on or whatever, right? Human being number one and number two disobeyed him. Human being number three murdered human being number four. That could have been the end of the story. But there's a lot more. He then formed a people to be a light to all peoples. He led them. He taught them. He formed them. He didn't walk away from them. He walked to them, even as they were walking away from him. As a whole, it was all a shadow of a relationship that would come. When the fullness of time came, the book of Galatians tells us, when the fullness of time came, the impossible became possible. God himself didn't give us the silent treatment, but God himself moved into our neighborhood and said, I'm actually going to come myself. The one who made all the hills came and taught on a hillside. 
he ended up being hung up on wood that he made and designed on a hill in Jerusalem that he formed, but it was all God himself coming and paying the price of sin that we should have paid. He paid the price of sin that we should have paid, but the grave couldn't hold him. Death didn't happen to Jesus. Jesus happened to death. He defeated death by his resurrection. He's alive and well, and that's why we call this Sacred Mission Church. He's alive and well. He's building his churches. He's building an Adel, a church even today. So here's what's crazy to say. Okay, so in light of all of that, here in this verse, what he's saying is, Casey Schrock, you're going to be with me forever. John Waters, you're going to be with me forever. Donna Kimberly, you are going to be with me forever. Lori McQuishan, you are going to be with me forever. Yeah, that's all. No one else in the room. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so he's saying that before the foundation of the world. For, so before human being three could kill human being number four, he's making a statement about Lori McQuishan. If I go up to Hannah and say, Hannah, I know you're, getting, you're, old, you're 13, you're kind of getting old, but a year from today, we will be in Disneyland. We're just going to go for it. A year from today, we're going to be in Disney. You know, I think my kids would still like really celebrate, but there's a reality that I can't make that statement. Now, I can say, hey, I bought tickets for Disney for a year from today, and we're probably going to be there. But like my like septic system could like utterly collapse and Disney isn't going to happen, right? Like it's, we're literally going to flush all that money down the toilet, you know, and it's going into that system. You know, if uh, one of us could be sick, like so sick that we couldn't go, or it could be that we, our cars like both like just utterly break down and we got to just like break the bank on that and just be like, hey, I know Disney was going to happen, but things I couldn't foresee is preventing us from going to Disney, right? That's just me trying to make a statement about something one year from now, and I do not have the power to make that statement. I can say I hope we'll be at Disney next year, but I don't have the power to actually make that statement. And one of the reasons Paul is excited out of his mind is because God can say, Lori McQuishan, you will be with me forever. And it's like, he is powerful enough, he is all-knowing enough to know that to make that statement means that he's going to have to send his son to die for her. To make that statement, he says, everything that needs to happen, I will move heaven and earth to make that happen, and I alone can make that statement. And so for Paul to say, we are chosen before the foundation of the world, it's like he can say that, and he did, and he does say that. That's why we're so blessed, is because the one that can make that statement has made it. He is able, he knows all that it's going to take to keep it. And a natural question from here then is, well, I hope he chose me. I hope I'm chosen. I hope my neighbor's chosen. I hope these people that I love are chosen. If his choosing is so solidified, I hope they're chosen. Look at Romans 10, verse 13. I think we have it up here. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
So there's no person on earth that's like, man, I so wish I could put my faith in Jesus. I so wish that Jesus would be my Savior. I'm so desiring to be with him and to receive all that Paul's talking about in Ephesians, but I'm not chosen, so I might as well just go home. It's like, no, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul can confidently say, I am chosen. I don't need to worry if I'm going to make it. I don't need to worry if I'm going to make it. Paul's given us four reasons why each of us should live for the rest of our lives, praising God with abandon. First, we're chosen. Second, we can say, I am redeemed. Look at verse 7. I am redeemed. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purposes, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Because here's the reality. Paul had previously known about God. If you had asked Paul before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, put his faith in Jesus as his Savior, before that, if you would have said, Paul, do you know God? As a Pharisee, it was likely that Paul potentially had a majority of the Old Testament memorized. So he'd be like, yeah, what book do you want? Deuteronomy? Sit down. I'll walk through the whole thing. I know about God. I know these things. He knew tons about God. The demons, you don't think demons don't know about God? They've seen God do so many things. Demons previously were angels before there was a falling and a third of them uh, became demons. They, long before we showed up, knew about God. But there's a mystery, see here, that he says, making known to us the mystery of his will. There's a mystery here, and this is the mystery, is the fact that a human can say with utter confidence, I am redeemed. And that is something that Paul didn't know. That is something that demons don't know, is the reality of saying, like, I could look at somebody and be like, Tanner, there's no way you're chosen. You're too sinful for that. And he can say, you're right. But that's not the whole story. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by his blood. This is the great mystery, is that God doesn't give me, give me what I deserve. He gives me what I don't deserve, which is redemption, my sins being paid for. When you accept that you go from knowing about God to receiving that, to saying, you know what? I can't believe that he's doing that for me but I accept it. I trust Jesus as my Savior. You are redeemed. You truly know him as the one who has adopted you. An appropriate response for all of us. Here's the appropriate response for us. The appropriate response for our community is to say, he did that for me? Like if someone says, man, I don't know if I can believe that. He did that for me? He redeemed me? You say, yes, you understand. <laughs> like that's that's what gets us to plant a church. That's what gets Paul to say 202 words without taking a breath, is he has redeemed us, not just the re religious folks. He has redeemed all of us who bow our knee to him, put our faith in him. I am redeemed. My sin is his specialty. It's the fruit of his victory is taking my sin away. 
So I'm chosen, I'm redeemed. And then third, look at this in verse 11, I have an inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. He chooses, we believe, he's giving out inheritances. What if we went into Exchange State Bank uh, tomorrow when they open up and like on the community wall it said uh, 200 acres inheritance for anyone who wants it. Call this number, right? First of all, if I saw that early in the morning, Ellen might already take it down, but if I saw it early in the morning, I would look at it and I would take the sign down, right? I would say, okay, anyone who calls this number is going to inherit 200 acres of prime land in rural Iowa, I'd be like, awesome. Let me fold that up really small, put it in my pocket. I hope it's the only poster that they put out in the community, right? Because I wouldn't want to share that inheritance with anybody. I'd want to keep it for myself. What's crazy about Paul is that he recognizes that this is an inheritance that doesn't get watered down. It's an inheritance that you don't feel like is fragile because like, yeah, it's an inheritance, but maybe there'll be a fight in the family or maybe there'll be something that happens that maybe it'll be an inheritance, but I don't think I can count on it because tons of things could happen between here and the inheritance actually happening. But instead, Paul says, guys, we have an inheritance in God and we need to share it with everybody because this is according to his purpose, which he works all things according to the counsel of his will. So when he desires to give an inheritance, just as when he calls somebody, when he desires to give an inheritance, it actually happens. It's so sure that the very first Christians could hope in it. See where it says that? The very first Christians could hope in it, and we can hope in it, and we can even praise him in advance because it's so sure that it's going to happen. We can start living for another kingdom. We're proudly Iowans. We're citizens of this state, citizens of this country. But then scripture starts saying we're also citizens of another kingdom and citizens of another place. And that is how sure our inheritance is. After a while, all I thought would bring me tons of happiness, it felt more and more like a prison I couldn't get out of. Like what I was wanting for my life was actually just pleasure. And I was wanting just to be like, hey, I thought this stuff was going to make me happy. But the more I did this stuff, the more God was like, man, I don't want you doing that. I have a better story for you. And then the more that I ran into sin also, the more I felt like I was on a hamster wheel of just, um, it felt more like death than life. Going deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. And then I saw these weird people. And there are these weird people who, like, it looked like they wanted Jesus more than stuff. And they wanted Jesus more than, like, Netflixy pleasure type stuff that feels like it runs out, you know? It's like in the Truman Show where, like, you finally, like, are on this boat, and then you hit the wall. And you realize, like, oh, I am in a bubble. And I, maybe there's more outside the bubble. And I started meeting these, like, weird people who all they would talk about was Jesus, and I recognize, like, man, they've got something. They, there's something that they have that is, like, something I don't have, but it's something I want. 
And I think what they were really embracing was this inheritance that they have in God that they can actually be free from a lot of those things, free from the desire of those, little, those other things and can actually live for another kingdom in this place. So Paul, the four things that Paul's giving us in this sentence is that we are chosen, that we are redeemed, that we have an inheritance, and then the fourth one is that we are sealed. Look at verse 13. In him also, and this is, this is what we're hearing today, this is how it is for all of us. In him also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the good news of salvation... So people hearing what you're hearing right now, people hearing that, the gospel of their salvation, and then believed in him. Once you believe in him, look what happens. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance and until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So all that's been done for us, all that Paul's mentioning here, all that we're seeing throughout Ephesians, uh, the book of Ephesians is going to take us into very specific directions of marriage and, and how we actually live this life and all sorts of things. But it's a lifetime of gratitude and mission to live in response. But there's one thing we need to do. There's one thing we need to do, and it's not pay a bunch of money. It's not come a certain amount of time. The one thing we must do is believe. You see that here. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed. The only thing we really bring to our salvation is our sin and belief. And he brings the rest. And here when we're sealed, when we believe, we're sealed with the third person of the Trinity. The third person of the Trinity. We're sealed by him. And you might be like, okay, what's this Trinity stuff? Okay, our God exists is one God who exists as three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This has been revealed to us. Our God is not confusing, but our God is complex, okay? And if you be like, well, he should be way more simple. He shouldn't be so complex. What's this Holy Spirit stuff? I want to submit to you the iPhone, okay? So I have heard that there, that there is not one human being on planet Earth that actually knows how this works, Okay, so I listened to a podcast where they basically said, like, there are tons of engineers who know how parts of this work. So there are engineers who will know how the Bluetooth stuff works. There'll be engineers who know, like, somehow ones and zeros traveling through our bodies, traveling through the air, hit our phones, and become an HD movie. It's like, somebody knows how that works. Uh, most people don't know how that works, okay? Also, somehow, like, if I stick my finger in a wall in a socket or I stick a fork in there, man, like that's gonna do some damage to my hand, right? But somehow I stick a cable in there and then into my phone, it doesn't blow up usually, right? It usually just charges and that's amazing, right? And for some reason it's like, okay, now I want my God to be the color blue. And it's like, no, what are you talking about? The color blue, yeah, simple. Like I can understand, I see blue shirts, yeah, that must be my God, it's very easy to understand blue. It's like, no, if we're talking, so this is just a phone, right? And it is so complex that no human being can understand the whole workings of this thing. Would you expect that the God of the universe would be more simple than this or more complex, right? The one that actually can say, you will be with me forever thousands of years ago, and it's going to happen. Would he be more complex than this or more simple than this, right? And so C.S. Lewis was famous for saying, 
It would scare me if our God was not infinitely complex, that it would take a lifetime and a whole existence to keep mining out the depths of our God. Our God is so knowable that a little precious kid with Down syndrome can fully understand God and live for God forever, right? Our God is that knowable that anyone can know God. And he is so majestic that we can spend our whole lifetimes learning about him and never scratch the surface, right? And so to say that our one God exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then for Paul to say the Holy Spirit actually seals you, a word that would be like a wedding ring, so that you can actually know like, oh, wow, I'm going to be with him forever. He's sealed me making sure that my redemption is, is, is going to happen, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. We can say, I'm sealed. The seal cannot be broken. I'm sealed. The seal cannot be broken. Paul didn't deserve this. We don't deserve this. But this is what transformed Paul. This is what didn't just transform Paul but we think within about 100 years of Jesus, there are over a million people living for Jesus in the ancient world. These realities transformed just an entire people. These realities transform many of us in this room. This is what our church is being founded on. This is the type of transformation that, uh, that we will not stop proclaiming, Lord willing, for the rest of our lives. Because changed lives change lives. That's why God actually uses us and wore his body because changed lives change lives. And this is why Paul so, 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 is so fired up writing all this in one sentence. There's no time for a period because we need to know this. And so there's a, there's a kind of a cutesy way. It, it, it's a little cheesy, but I have been like using this all week in my own heart and in my own mind. It's like this kind of cheesy way, Hannah, if you put it up there, um, to remember this is using the acronym CHRIST is that the CH, I had to put those together to make this work, is that, that we are chosen, we are redeemed, we have an inheritance, we are sealed, and that's transformative. That's a transformation for us, for our community, and just thinking about Christ and and in this one sentence, he says, in Christ, more than nine times. Like, it cannot be mistaken that the foundation of our church, the foundation of, of what we believe is that we are in Christ, that all of this is possible because we, have, we are in him. And in one sentence, he gives us these five things. And so um, a very, man, a very appropriate response for us is what he actually led us to do, which is to take communion. Okay, so if you're serving communion, feel free to come to uh, the tables. We've got two in the back, two in the front, if you're serving communion. So this is actually Jesus' idea. So Jesus' idea was for us that there are a few ways that we can very tangibly respond to him. Okay, now this in one sense is bread that Stephanie Silo baked in her oven that is delicious, okay? And then we have wine that's the dark color, and we have juice that is the light color, and obey your conscience in this, okay? So in one sense, we have bread, we have wine, and we have juice. Simple. With the presence of God in our midst, what he communicates to us is that this bread 
represents my body that is broken for you. When you take it, you're taking it from the inside out, just as I am transforming you from the inside out. Okay? And then when you take the, the, the wine or the juice, that represents my blood that was shed for you, that redeems you, that washes your sins away. So when he sees you, he sees his son, and he sees you as being one that has been totally cleansed by him, once again, from the inside out, okay? And so, so when we'll take it, and the way that we'll do it, uh, this is the first time we've ever done communion as a church together, so, which is super awesome, is that what we'll do is um, we can come to the front or go to the back. What I'd say is let's just uh, go to the center and then come forward or go to the center and go back, and then we'll return to our seats through the outside, so that'll kind of keep us from traffic jams and stuff. But then also is the reality, and Jesus was very clear with this, is that this does not save us. This is a meal to have with our Savior, the one that we are believing in, okay? And so, so he even tells us, if you are not following me, he doesn't say, get out of here. That's not his heart. <laughs> be here. Be here. This is a beautiful moment. But what he does say is, don't take this. Take me. Take Jesus. So this is an incredible opportunity to, to pray and to say, God, I don't know if you're real, or maybe I know you're real, but I'm not sure if you're my Savior. Any of that stuff, this is a beautiful moment for all of us to respond to respond in taking the elements in him or to respond by just praying and, and seeking him and maybe putting your faith in him. Or we'd love to pray with you in any of those ways. Uh, so let's respond. And then what we'll do today too, uh, we might not do this every time, but, but just take the, the bread and just kind of tear it off and then get, get uh, the elements. And then let's go back to our seats and then we'll all take it together just as, as one family will take it together. So let's come, let's respond to Jesus. We all stand, stand, take this. Lord, we thank you for your body that was given for us, lived in our place so we can have life in you, Lord. Lord, we take this in faith. Thank you, Lord.
And Lord, thank you for your blood given for us, shed for us, washes us white as snow. Lord, thank you. We lift our cups high. We thank you for not holding back, Lord, but we thank you for redeeming us for your glory. Will we live in you and take this in faith, Jesus?